Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. I'm Lisa. And I'm Lucy, and we run Sticker Guru, a stationery and stickers shop. We created the Big Plans podcast to share the things we've learned over the past six years of running our own business. And now let's get into the episode. So as you can tell from the title of this episode, we are revealing our kit creation process. And we are going to be going over how we create a kit from start to finish, from computer to in hand, how we create our kits. I think this is going to be a long episode, so get your popcorn, get ready. Grab a snack. Yes. Okay, so also for you guys, we have created a checklist guide of this process. So if you're a visual learner like myself, I really like being able to see on paper the actual process. So you can download that in the show notes if you're interested. Okay, so let's just jump right in with the first thing that we do and that would be sourcing clip art looking Mm -hmm. for art that is honestly the hardest part in my opinion like yeah hard to find art it is hard to find art especially when i feel like we've used so much of it already Mm -hmm. if you're somebody who's artsy you're doing the art yourself and that's really cool props to you but we don't draw our own stuff so we depend on sites like creative market etsy artists who post there are on there yeah we always get questions on where we find our art so those are the two sites that we mainly look at um creative market and etsy i think etsy has a little bit of a bigger selection but there's also mm-hmm. lower quality art i feel like creative market is a little bit more expensive but definitely recommend checking out both of them yeah definitely and i think once you've been in the game for a while you'll notice that these same artists are selling new like the same artists are drawing for the planner community you've probably noticed if you're just a customer how a lot of the art looks similar there's like you know like certain designs the way people the styles of how people draw yeah i feel like there are just artists out there who are specifically drawing art for planner shops to use in their stickers yes and then in terms of like what type of art we look for i'd say seasonal stuff mainly mm-hmm. like spring summer winter whatever holidays uh, and the holidays are really good like valentine's day we released a bunch of like easter kits mm-hmm. and then just also looking at what is currently trending in the planner community so i know currently it's like springtime so a lot of florals lots of florals like that yeah Yeah, a lot of florals which i'm a huge fan of we love florals okay well i think sourcing clip art while it's the hardest part it's probably like the least complicated so let's go into something that is a little bit more has a little bit more steps so designing the actual kit yes so we have a template that i created the kit format and then we just we will design the clip art that we purchased and we'll make it fit into the the template template. so we do all of our designing in silhouettes i know some shops they use adobe illustrator or photoshop but we're just getting started with (laughs) adobe illustrator but we do it is hard it's a little bit confusing but we do 90 percent of our designing in silhouette i'd say yeah yes silhouette i feel like once you figure out how to use silhouette it's pretty handy yeah it gets the job done honestly the job done it's pretty straightforward yeah not there's not a bunch of like other random tools that i feel like illustrator offers 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of our process, I start off. So I make the file. I put in all of the art and then Lisa picks the color palette because she has a better eye for that. And then I do the first draft of the kit. So I put in the art and the colors into the template. And then Lisa does the final draft of the kit by rearranging things, adding foil, the finishing touches. Uh, do you have anything to add? Yeah. So we, as you can see, it's like a lot of back and forth. Like we both both put efforts into designing kit. I'd say it's pretty 50-50. Yeah. And we, I think we mentioned it in a previous episode, but we use the Kanban method using Asana and we basically just will hand off the, the task or the kit um, to the other person whenever we're done with it so that we're not just sitting around waiting, doing nothing. We know when it's our turn to start working on the kit. Yeah, it's been really helpful to do that. And that's like a recent development as well we didn't use that before it was more of like a just telling the other person hey I finished or hey can you do this but yeah and we would have to like we'd either you know forget about it because it was got lost in our messages or mm-hmm. we just have to like drop whatever we're doing to work on this urgent task right now so that the other person can continue and it was just not super efficient uh, but I think now it it was definitely very, very messy. Yeah. But I think now it's a lot more organized and streamlined, which is really, really good. Yeah. And I know people listening are probably, you're probably running your sticker shop by yourself. And if that's the case, I still think this would be helpful to keep Just track. to visualize. Yeah. Keep track mm-hmm. of all the things you're working on, especially if you're doing like multiple kits, kits yeah. collections in a release. I think it's just helpful to keep track of what you're working on and what is completed or incompleted. Yeah, definitely. Okay, uh, let's go into printing, which Lisa is like yes. the printer whisperer. So I'm going to let her speak on this because I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so once the kit is finished, um, finished being designed, it's ready for printing. And we use the Canon Pro 100 printer. It's an inkjet printer. It's a pretty massive printer. I want to say it's like 50 pounds. It takes like both Um, of us to carry. Yeah, it's very heavy. We have a few of them. And so we, I'll send it to the printer. And one thing I want to say is that a lot of people ask, like, how do you get such good colors on, like, how do you get your printer to print good colors? So colors that match the computer or whatever you see on your, your screen. And definitely, I would say, mess with the printer settings. When I was printing, we, for the longest time, were printing just using the default settings. I want to say oh for, like, gosh, several yes. years. Several I'll years. Say maybe, like, three, three or four years. Probably three years. We were just uh-huh. using the default printer settings. Didn't change any of the color settings nothing like that and we just accepted whatever came out of the printer is what we worked with but when we started using the Canon Pro 100, I finally took the time to actually adjust the settings to get it to look like the computer screen and I highly recommend that to anyone to just mess around. A lot of people ask what settings we use and honestly I just change the settings, mess with the settings and whatever comes out the closest is what I have stuck with. Yeah and I would say it probably varies based on printer so whatever we have may not work for you. Right, exactly. Yeah but definitely just 
testing, a lot of testing. Yes, a lot of testing, a lot of test prints. And then once we, since we do create foiled kits, I will print out of the Canon first. So I print the inkjet and then I will take it to our second printer, which is an HP laser jet. It's a, just a laser printer and I will have that print the foil elements on top. So a lot of people ask what is our foiling process and that is the first two steps for printing. Okay so now that we're done with printing let's move on to the next step which is cutting. So we have a machine uh, right? Yeah. We have big machines. Yeah. Yeah. We have eight <laughs> silhouette portraits. Yes. Um, we also get a lot of questions about that. Yeah. We use silhouette portraits. It is pretty simple to learn how to use. It was definitely, there is definitely a learning curve. There's I'd a learning say. curve as with uh, silhouette, but, the software too. Right. Right. But I think once you get the hang of it, it's pretty straightforward. Our current setup in terms of how we cut our stickers is we will we'll use all eight machines and we usually have two people cutting. So one person is, you know, loading the machines and then the other person is actually clicking the button and then sending it to to the cutter silhouette yeah yeah to the cutter telling it what to cut exactly yeah that we found that this is just the best for us i know some shops you can totally just do it on your own but i found that this is actually faster and a little bit more efficient yeah and it's kind of a balance too between how many machines you have and how many how fast you can reload so i would right. also take that into account because if you have eight machines but you're not reloading in a way where each machine is constantly going yeah it's not as effective right i think some people they they'll like load it all on first before and then they send it to the cutter but i personally think that that's pretty inefficient i think it's faster to load one and then send it load the next send it and then that way something is running at all times you know so there's no machine that's idling yeah at any point yeah and if you're interested in seeing our cutting setup you can always go to our instagram i feel like we have so many reels and videos of our cutting setup also on our youtube yeah. channel so i would check that out if you're interested yeah okay so once the stickers are finished being cut it is time to add foil this might not apply if you don't add foil to your stickers but we do for the most part. We actually have a foiling guide, foiling video on our YouTube channel. It's a really short video and it basically just explains how we add foil to the stickers and I even show like all the equipment that we use. So if you are interested in seeing that, we have it linked in the show notes. Yes, along with our foiling guide, which I created um, because y'all know I love these guides. So if you're interested in that guide as well, <laughs> the link is in the show notes. You can go download that and it just has like our process on there. I will say that foiling, we took it took us so long to get on the foiling train. I feel like there was a, yeah. a while where we were just too intimidated, intimidated to yeah actually foil to get started yeah because we were hearing like all kinds of horror stories of how like how difficult it was to add foil to your stickers or to like just foil stickers and it's honestly not that hard so i will again shout out our video because i think it has a lot of tips um on how to get really flawless foiling I th it also took us i will say it did take us a long time to f get to where we are now right with our foil uh, quality. Definitely 
it definitely required a lot of experience of just understanding like different heat settings, paper, the foil that you use. Techniques is a huge one. Mm -hmm. And just, yeah, the whole even process. The, the ink itself even Yeah, even it. the, the laser uh, oh, yeah, toner the laser. Mm -hmm. can affect it. So like printer settings, all that. Like, And we're finally at a point now where like, it's pretty much flawless, mm -hmm. let's say 90, 95% of the time. So it's definitely a huge improvement from before. And so if you are interested, if you would like to save all that time and time. struggle, please check out the video and the foiling guide. Yes. We also invested in a lot of different like machines, different foils. Yeah. There was... So I feel like we also spent a lot of money just trying to figure things out besides just like time. Yes. But, and I think, yeah. and I think not the equipment honestly doesn't even matter too much. I would say it's mainly the technique of how you boil your stickers is how you're going to get the best result. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So this is, I guess, part of like we were talking about, we are at a point where we have 95% flawless boiled stickers. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about our quality control process. Yes. So this has evolved a lot over the past few years. I want to say it went from we non-existent. <laughs> it went from non-existent to very detailed now but mm -hmm. quality control. So I think this is step is crucial to every single sticker shop. If you're not doing quality control or if you're just very lax about it, I think you should reconsider mm -hmm. because it's so necessary, especially for larger productions. If you're making a lot, several kits, a lot of kits, a lot of stickers, then you really want to make sure that all the time you're putting into it is actually you're going to get a good product, a good result at the end of it. And you're not just wasting all of your time and resources to only end up creating a ton of oops stickers. So we have uh, several steps that we have implemented into our kit creation process. Mm -hmm. So let's just start with the first step. Okay. So I feel like this one, it, when I first started out, I was doing most of the designing because Lisa was in school at the time. And mm -hmm. because I was still learning how to use silhouette there, I feel like there was a lot of mistakes <laughs> with like the cut lines and the boxes being aligned. Like they're just like really small things or like forgetting to change a color. Now we're at a point with the template where we can change things relatively quickly, mm -hmm. but just making sure at the designing point that everything is correct. You don't have any typos. Everything is aligned. Right. Once you print it out, that paper spent, paper and ink that you've spent. Yeah. Yes. So then going along with the printing, that's our next step mm -hmm. is, is the color being printed out actually correct? Is your printer malfunctioning? That's something that we've ran into a lot over the years is sometimes but we don't even notice it until it's printed out a huge stack, but the printer was malfunctioning of some sort. Yeah. And it the colors are completely wrong and inaccurate from what they should be. Yep. So if that happens, we will pull it from production. We'll just keep a huge stack of the, like um, sheets that are like that. And then mm -hmm. whenever it's time for an oops sale, we will just cut through those. But we pull them from production so we're not wasting any time yeah. you know, trying to make them into kits when they are obviously an oops. Yes, definitely. 
we have and a policy. Yeah. Oh, I just want to say we have a policy. <laughs> and I, I think it's funny. We don't let the printers print unsupervised. So we used yeah. to like, we used to queue up the printing so that it would print overnight while we were sleeping because printing yes. takes a long time. A long time, especially when you're working with inkjets. They are very, very slow. And it, like to print one page, out of the Canon Pro 100 that we use takes, I want to say, like two minutes for mm -hmm. a single page. So yeah. that is also why we have multiple printers. But we do not let it print unsupervised because um, mistakes will happen. Like, like guaranteed we don't, it will happen. Yeah, we and we don't notice it until it's, you know, it's printed out a huge stack. So, yeah, just making sure that someone is, you know, nearby the printer at all times. Yeah, those printers are really tricky. And again, like I said, Lisa is the printer whisperer. So it's like, it's so funny because the printer will make a sound and she'll know exactly what's the issue with it. Right. Or like it lights up and like there it says there's an issue. I just know like what's wrong with it. Instantly. It's just like, yeah. I mean, it's just like experience, you know, like uh -huh. I've, I've experienced all these issues and now I'm just just used to it and I know how to solve the problem now. Okay, so next is cutting. I feel like there's a okay, lot so the, with cutting. Yes. So the reason why we also have two people um, doing the cutting is because at the same time, whoever is, you know, on the computer controlling the silhouette machine, sending it to the cutter, which is usually me. That's what I'm usually doing. I also, mm -hmm. while doing that, I will quality control the stickers that are coming off of the machine. So once they are finished being cut, we take them off and I will inspect them really quickly to see if the lines are accurate and is the sticker actually peelable from the sheet. And mm -hmm. I think this is one that a lot of shops don't do is that they don't check to see if the sticker you can actually peel it off of the sheet. And there are two problems that I've run into with that. So either the sticker is completely just, you can't peel it off at all because the blade was dull or the blade was just, you know, broken, whatever. And the second being that the sticker was cut too deep. And then when that happens, although it's not cut through, like the sheet itself is not cut through, you still can't peel the sticker off because it's cut just a little bit too deep. So it's picking up the backing as well. Uh -huh. And you just, yeah, so definitely make sure you are checking to see that your stickers are actually peelable because they're have been several times in the past where we didn't check that or we thought it was fine uh -huh. because it what came off of the machine but then we've like sent it out and people will email us being like hey I can't peel the sticker and so yeah that's just something we've run into in the past yeah so we are, I think we're pretty good at careful. it yeah yeah yep. and then finally foiling going back to our foiling technique I think we've we've reached a point where we don't experience this but before we would have a lot of black spots so now we check yeah, that a lot of black spots there was one point where story time i'm um, so embarrassed <laughs> to talk so about this was this happened maybe three years ago now mm -hmm. it was we were doing this was when hobonichi kits were super in especially for like two dollar tuesday mm -hmm. that we would be selling like the foiled hobonichi kits for two dollars and I remember someone had promoted us on their Instagram story and like all of a sudden we had started getting like a ton of orders, the most orders we had ever received. At and point, we yeah. were at that point. 
And we were like super excited and really shocked and just like obviously very grateful for these orders. And we, you know, like started working on them immediately. Mm-hmm. And we, at that point, we did not have our foiling technique down at all. We had, I want to say like, honestly, we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. I mean, uh, which is like the beginning of our foiling career. Yeah, still, still towards the beginning of our foiling journey. Mm-hmm. And like we, I just remember making all these Hobonichi kits and like foiling them, and there just being so many black spots. And you know, we needed these stickers like right away for orders, and we just were not able to get good quality foiling, no matter what we did. And it was very frustrating. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, we did have to send out those stickers because we needed them right away. So like the quality was definitely not there unfortunately and i think that caused people to not want to come back Mm -hmm. um, because the quality just wasn't there but yeah yeah yeah, so learning definitely it was definitely a hard lesson learned yes and i wish we had spent more time perfecting our foiling technique before we were selling those but like we were never expecting to sell so many of those kits yeah it's it's uh, kind of like an embarrassing story that we laugh about now but at the time we were we were it so was super fr- we were like yeah, it was we need to get it was super out. frustrating yeah but now now we are the foil but now, wait, yeah now oh. we get the foil with ease so we never have that issue yeah. anymore i've also gotten really good at spotting out not spotting out or i guess yeah um seeing black spots in stickers foil mm. now i feel like because i'm so like trained i have, like a trained eye for spotting black spots it's just it's really quick for me to pick out all the ones that are you know oops yeah um speaking of oops what do you do if you have a ton of oops so we will save up all of our oops, our misfits, our our problem stickers. And if we have like, like I said, we have a stack of stickers that were like printed the wrong color, then we will save that until we want to do an oops sale. And then we will cut Th- them all up <laughs> and then we will do an oops sale. So we typically do them. Or if, if we're foiling, when we're going through foiling, you find black spots. Mm-hmm. Like, even if there's one tiny little black spot that is an oops so i think the strictness with our yeah. foiling means that we uh end up having oops like a lot of foiled oops or not a lot of foiled oops but you know like not a lot but a like chunk. we yeah we'll we'll just save it up and uh-huh. then i want to say we we used to do them more often because like i said we were working on our um technique and whatnot but now i would say we haven't done one in a a lot and yeah yeah and i don't think we'll be i don't think we have enough for one just yet but i think we do them probably i want to say once every three months so yeah i think maybe we might have enough in march so if you are interested in an oops sale keep an eye out in march yes definitely okay and then finally the assembly of the kit this part we i feel like we have a technique for this as well or maybe it's well maybe everyone does i don't know <laughs> <laughs> what what do you 
I mean, like, what, what is your technique? Okay, my technique is I lay everything down, or like I'll lay all the page fours down, uh-huh. and I lay all the page threes down, then the page twos, and the page ones. Okay, see, that's what I used to do, but oh. I feel like that's actually slower. Okay, share your technique. So your technique is to basically do like all the page fours, lay them out on a table, yeah, and on top of that, do the page threes, yeah, and on top of that, page two, page one. Yeah, I do them. So I had just have four piles in front of me. This is like what I do because I feel like we don't have a lot of space in our office. So I just have four piles, all the page fours, all the page threes, page twos, page ones. And then I'll just grab one, two, three, four. I just grab it, one, two, three, four, and put it into the bag and it's done. Do the next one, one, two, three, four, put it into the cello bag, it's done. I feel like that's personally for me a lot faster. Again, we just don't have a lot of space. To like yeah. lay out all the stickers. So I feel like that's just also the most space saved. Yeah, that <laughs> requires the least true. amount of space. <laughs> I feel like you're very fast at putting things into bags, whereas I'm, I'm, I know I'm slower at bagging things. So it's easier for me to just mm-hmm. bag it all at the same time. So I get I rhythm see. going, you know. Um, but I yeah, see, I see. I, I'd be curious to hear how other people assemble their kits. Yeah, I'd be uh, interested to hear also. Hey, let's get into the Q&A. So I'll ask Yay. the first question. Okay. okay, so thank you all for sending in these questions. We ask, I think typically we'll ask like on Thursday. Yes, on our IG story, you can submit a question. Yeah. So thank you for everyone who has submitted. We just gathered the ones that were kind of related to day, to today's topic. So yeah, first question about anything, though. Yeah, you could ask us anything. We'll save it for a future episode. Okay. Yeah. Do you design everything yourself? How do you manage that and everything else? And then they have the head explosion emoji. <laughs> <laughs> the the mind blown emoji yes mm-hmm. so yeah we do design everything ourselves obviously we don't draw the art but we in terms of like putting them into a kit yeah we do create that ourselves and then how we actually manage that like we said it's a two-person process with a lot of planning and matching in advance and we also do like the kanban method so a lot a lot of planning is required but yeah i think we've been getting down to a good rhythm yeah yes Yes. batching i think is the biggest thing here which absolutely yeah i feel like we've implied it but if we haven't gone the message across like batching is the best way to be time efficient with uh, all these different steps so whereas before um i feel like we may do like we'll design one kit then we'll print that one kit then we'll cut that one kit um now it's like we'll do all the designing and then we'll do all yes. the stitching and then all, and the, all the cutting so just yeah. like doing all of your work in batches and not just start to finish multiple times it's just yeah we've noticed it's been a lot more efficient that way yeah 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 and spending like specific days doing specific tasks yeah i think helps as well yes helps okay. keep us on track mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay next question is it hard to find clip art that other shops have not used yet? Oh, yeah, this is really hard. So hard. Like, very difficult. I, I want to think- say, like, I, yeah, like, I, there's been some art where I've seen, like, multiple shops, many, like several, everyone, like, literally everyone, everyone has, literally everyone and their mother has been using <laughs> the same kit, yep. the same art for their kit. And it's like, at that point, I'm like, I'm kind of sick of this art now. Like, yep. do I even want to use it anymore? 
So I think the key to find art that other shops haven't used yet, I think it's not so much about trying to find art that other shops have u- haven't used uh-huh. um, because it's so hard. I think the key is to design in a way that's unique. And yes, absolutely. Yeah. So things like I think foil helps adding to make foil, your kit. having a different kit format, just whatever to do to be different from these shops. Um, I think adding foil especially helps make your kit stand apart because I've mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. go oh, go, no, ahead. go ahead. <laughs> um, I'm <laughs> like changing the color palette to be more unique because yeah um also combining clip art so like combining clip art from different artists and also i think something that i haven't seen a lot of other people do but that we personally do is taking old art so art that we may not have used from previous years that artists released Mm -hmm. maybe like three years ago that everyone used three years ago no one's using that art anymore so i personally like to find art that's old just because by the time like three years later no one's going to remember that art yeah so yeah yeah that's definitely a good one okay next question how do you decide what kind of artwork to do for each new release okay we kind of talked about this in the very beginning uh, when we were talking about sourcing art because like we said we base it on season holidays holidays things things that are coming up i think but I think ultimately we use artwork that we really love mm-hmm. that we think that we personally would use and like, yeah, just artwork that we really like. Because you're looking at this art like literally every day for hours. So it's for us, really easy to get sick of it. So easy to get sick of art. So it's kind of important for us to find art that we, we lo- enjoy looking at that we mm-hmm. definitely would use ourselves because we literally look at the same things over and over again every single day (laughs) yes and then usually by the time we release it it's like i'm so sick of this looking at this art but even though it's like a new product (laughs) yeah or like we since we designed things that are you know like right now it's winter but we're designing spring things by the time spring rolls Mm -hmm. around i'm like i'm so sick of spring. i'm like over it (laughs) i'm i'm over spring like spring literally hasn't even started and i'm thinking about summer i'm, I'm like, thinking about summer oh, what yeah. kind of kinda, like summer art is there that we can use like i'm literally living four months ahead like, yeah at all times yep okay final question and i think lisa you can answer this how many kits do mm-hmm. you normally print for new releases on your first day that's a good question i'd say and for the first day of new release for the first um weekend of new releases I'll probably print, I want to say around 40 full kits. And then for in terms of B6 kits, I would say it's probably like half of that. So maybe like 20, 25. That's like what I've been currently doing. But I have noticed we typically will run out of stock pretty quickly. So I end up having to, you know, restock this amount multiple times, which I've noticed is happening like basically for, since forever, like it's happened to create the kit not create the kit but like reprint and restock the kit several times so i think in the future i will be making more printing more yeah making more just because i've noticed it's pretty annoying to have to like go back to open all the files again to send them to the printer again um just i feel like if i just make more 
from the start, I won't have to, you know, keep printing them again. So that is something that I want to work on going forward. I think it's better to produce too much than too little because you can always sell it. Like we never have any issues of selling product. Mm-hmm. That is a lot so, of yeah. people's fear. Like the made to order shops. We're not mm-hmm. made to order. I don't think we've ever been right. made to order. Um, Question mark? No. Yeah, we've always been. Maybe, yeah, maybe like. Maybe like in the beginning, like the very, very couple months. Uh huh. Yeah. But no, we've always been ready to ship. So, so we have to have like stock on hand. Um, And I feel like people are reluctant to switch over to being ready to ship from made to order because they're afraid they're not going to get rid of the inventory. But Uh, like doing this all, like all these years, we've never had an issue of selling product. Yeah. Yeah. I think you just have to be creative about it. Like, you can always, you know, discount it, do like a discontinuing sale. Even giving it away as like, you know, like a, a bonus freebie if you spend this amount right. or whatever. Right. Like 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 you said, tiered freebies. You can do like a mystery kit pull. Uh-huh. Literally, there are several ways of, you know, selling it. So don't ever worry about not being able to sell, I'd say. Yeah, it's like you want to be smart about how much you're printing. So don't base your numbers off of ours. Look at how. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Like, look at your own. Definitely look at your own, your own um, stats, yeah. your own analytics and based off of that, like look at past kits, how many you've sold of those. And then based off of that. Yes, this is all like. Um, look at your own <laughs> analytics for this one. Yes, yes. But I, like we said, we, we, I think this is the way to go is because you save so much time not having to constantly, like we said, like you can batch and you save so much time by batching. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. So those are all our questions. So that is all. Again, if you want to ask any questions, feel free to email us or yes. like I said, we um, post a Q&A thing on our Insta story every Thursday usually. So feel free to ask us anything. Yeah, we love these questions. Thanks for sending them in. And just a reminder, we have a checklist of this basically everything we talked about today of our creation, kit creation process. So if you're interested, yes. that is in the show notes. Go check it out. And that is it for today. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at StickerGuru. Check out our shop website, StickerGuru.com. You can email us at hello at StickerGuru.com. And you can watch us on YouTube, YouTube.com slash StickerGuru. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you next week. Bye. Bye.